Hi there, I'm Tom Schultz, host of Voices of Montana, an issue-oriented newsmaker radio program heard weekdays on 18 radio stations with 27 signals all across the Treasure State. Thanks for clicking on the podcast. Please subscribe and we'll do our best to keep you connected. We're also on Facebook at Voices of Montana and on the Internet at VoicesOfMontana.com, where I'd love to hear from you. Contact me at Tom at VoicesOfMontana.com. Been doing this show a few years now. I I mentioned level of suicide in Montana is a gut punch. It ought to be for us. The way that we have allowed, I think, an infestation, an outbreak, maybe it's worse. It's an epidemic of, of drugs, Mexican cartel drugs in this in this state. That ought to be a gut punch too. Um, and and we need to fight back. And, and there's communities that are doing that. The Mexican drug cartels have found a footing in Montana. A former DEA or DEA agent turned Eastern District Congressional candidate Stacy Zinn is out campaigning. One of the big things on her platform as a former DEA agent is to make sure they, meaning the Mexican drug cartel folks, don't dig in any deeper in Montana. We'll talk about that as well as what else is on her plate today on Voices of Montana. And it's in studio. Let's just get right into it. Stacy Zinn is here. Good morning, Stacy. Good morning. Good morning. Thank you for being here. Appreciate that. We talk about uh, the drug problems that we have in this state and across our country as well. We point to the border an awful lot because this is where where they're coming from. We, uh, you know, you're running for Congress, and, and and thank you for that. Throwing your hat in the ring. I want to, you know, hear about how that experience is going as well. Your experiences in in you know in South America in the border here as Montana's DEA agent uh, director for uh, a, a number of years as well, um, and also in Afghanistan, those things all add up. And you have some stories to tell and some impressions about where we're at with our our drug culture in this country. That's that's top of your plate, isn't it? Yes, sir. We have a we have a huge drug problem here, not only in different parts in the larger cities, but also in our rural areas and also on our reservations. So it is something that we need to start talking about it. If you're not talking about it, you need to learn about it. If you're not learning about it, then shame on you. One of the things that you said in a, in a recent uh, op-ed, this goes back uh, to January, but uh, introducing yourself and talking about this problem that we're having at the border, and you talk about talking about it. Uh, we uh, may just have an obvious threat that we are not willing to acknowledge. How do we, how do we talk about the root causes of drugs, uh, where they come from, the whole complexity of, of the issue so that we can get some resolution to solution, I, I presume. But how do we talk about it? Uh, it? Because it can offend a lot of folks in a lot of ways. Oh, absolutely. But parents, grandparents, family members need to first educate themselves. What are the kids dealing with? What are they seeing in, in their schools, where it be marijuana, meth, fentanyl, heroin, cocaine? Uh, even ecstasy, uh, but they need to educate themselves. I mean, Google does a great job of talking about the different drugs. Um, I go and do presentations. If anyone ever wants to have me come to their to their church, to their schools, or whatever, to their community events, I'll be more than happy to do free um, presentations. But that's the first step. Then you start talking to your kids, and you know, at the at the kitchen table, hey, you know, what's this vape stuff about? Are you hearing? Do you see this stuff in the schools? Just start that dialogue. And if the kids kind of like look at you and change the subject, that should be a little clue that they know more than they're willing to share with you. Circle back around. Hey, I heard about this conversation. There's this girl on the radio that talked about marijuana or THC. 
what's that all about? Can you, can you share with me? You'll start building that rapport. And, and that's, that's the basic steps. In schools, we need, we need to get back and start talking about, you know, we used to have the D.A.R.E. program. We used to have Just Say No, we, uh, the Meth Project. All those have faded away due to lack of funding. It's time for the schools to start stepping up and having these conversations at a younger age because kids are being exposed to drugs via social media at a younger age. So those are the first basic steps. And then we can continue down the path of what we should do to, uh, to eliminate the drugs in our streets. Yeah, and, and, and so that's part of it, education. And that seems to be, well, a necessary step. It's a foundational step, but it's sort of the soft side of it to a certain degree. Um, in that education we have to face some of the hard facts. What are some of these hard facts that we don't want to face when it comes to our drug issues in our country? Well, let's start off with marijuana. Uh, marijuana was the states don't talk about marijuana. Um, DEA would not talk about marijuana because it's a hot potato. It's a political hot potato. Yeah. It doesn't matter which side of the aisle you sit on. People, this is a money grab. It's just like big tobacco back in the day. Now it's big marijuana back in the day. When you have George Soros putting monies into this, that's that should uh, the alarm bells should be going off. But with that being said, this is not the marijuana of yesterday. It's the marijuana of today. And what do I mean by that? A single joint when I was growing up and I'm about to age myself. But back in the mid 80s, a single joint rolled up. People would uh, take a hit and pass it around. That joint contained anywhere from like 1.2 to 2.3 THC levels. You pack it around, pass it around, take a hit. You get maybe 0.9 percent THC levels in your system. Fast forward today, that joint here. And here we are in Yellowstone County. It can be as high as 33% and 35%. Wow. Those edibles can be as high as 80%. And that dab product that these kids are actually experimenting with can be as high as 90% THC levels. So the next question you should be asking, Stace, what's the big deal about the THC levels? Well, we're telling these kids it's like drinking a, a um, Coors Light. No, it's, it's like drinking a Scotch on the Rocks. They're starting to show that high... THC levels being consumed by these teenagers that their brains are just now they're developing, it's causing harm. And we don't know, there's not enough studies on the books right now to determine what's it going to do, what's a long-term cause, but we're starting to see sparks of mental health issues. So that's what really bothers me is that, you know, that's just one drug. Um, You move over to meth and stuff and we do see meth, this is, this is meth country here. Um, unfortunately, you know, my, the kids will always normally start, I would say with all the confidential sources and sources of information I interviewed, I'd say, what's your first illegal drug of choice? And it was, it was marijuana. Alcohol comes into it also. And now marijuana is legal, but very rare. I think maybe two or three had actually said they started off with meth first. Um, but here's a problem is, is normally, and and people are going to chastise me for this, but alcohol and marijuana is a gateway drug. So then it leads them, then they're going to experiment with some other drug to get them a different high, a more powerful high. I think that's, that seems pretty obvious to folks who are, are working in the industry and, and people use semantics uh, to, to try and deflect from, from that. They want to say it's a fact, but I think it very much is a fact that these, these things are gateway drugs. Uh, we are with Stacey Zinn, a former director of the U.S. Drug Enforcement Agency Operations in Montana, a candidate for Congress for the uh, Eastern District as well. We'll talk about balancing the budget. We'll still talk about tax relief, um, southern border. I know this is a huge issue as well. It, it has uh, the southern border, it being wide open. Well, 
your impression of that? I mean, uh, you've been down there. You've worked on both the southern border. You've been in Montana. You've been uh, uh, fighting drugs all the way down in South America. Um, what's what's your why is uh, why are we at where we're at right now with this policy? Well, we're the the border's open for obvious reasons for new voters, um, and you have you have individuals coming across that you. How do I say this? You have third world countries that have criminals, gangbangers, terrorists that are coming into our country. And where they're going, we have no idea. Um, the Chinese that are coming in. There used to be, a, uh, it's my understanding, there was, a 20, there was a list of 25 questions that was asked to these Chinese illegal um, immigrants that are coming. And it's gotten narrowed down to five questions. And then once they come across the border, poof, they're gone. Yeah. We don't even we're not even getting exact addresses where they're going because, you know, they're supposed to be reporting back to uh, the courts in three to five years. This this is all a scam. When you have illegals now coming into a country, going to California, getting free health care or going to Boston. And they're now they're going to some of them are be able to vote in uh, the lower level elections or going to North Carolina and getting their driver's license or going to Colorado and getting some uh, uh, monies from the state, you have to, I mean, I'm an investigator. You put the pieces of the puzzle together, this is all by design. But Stacey, these are just families looking for a better way of life. They're just looking, they're making a sacrifice in the hard trek um, up for their children. Yeah. Well, you, I mean, you're going you're to have some. Um, yes, I do. Yes. I know, I, right? Yeah. There was sarcasm, and you could, you could certainly taste that in there. Um, but... Um, when, when you talk about um, young single men, these are there are more and more we're noticing that those are the folks that are lining up for entrance illegally into this country. Well, you have individuals coming in, flying into Mexico City, vacationing for a week, and then making the trek up. And they, they're ditching their identification on the other side of the border and then coming across. That's a problem. When you have uh, individuals coming from the Middle East, 30-year-olds, all of a sudden they're coming in in packs, that's a problem. That should, people should be scratching their heads and going, wow, this is, not, this is unusual. Well, we are. We are doing that. But we still can't seem to get the right people to do the same thing. Well, you're not going to – again, by design. Yeah. Uh, common sense that this is a um, – they are changing the demographics of, of America, and I do believe it's for the almighty vote to keep a particular party in power because a lot of these individuals that are coming from these third world countries, they believe in socialism. They have been conditioned that the government will take care of them. The government will give them their health care. They're coming up here, and they expect the same, and they have willing leaders. to. They're, they're willing to provide these free services and keep them underneath their thumb for the almighty vote. All right. So th that part of the problem that we have with jobs right, right now is, is this wide open border um, there. Th there's a lot of complexities because it's wide open getting back to, to the drugs. I mean, I have seen, uh, well, here's, here's a recent report. This came out in, in late January. It was the year in review for the DEA Rocky mountain field division. Um, and uh, what they, I mean, there's a lot of things in here, but what they see, let's see, by comparison, this division seized 565,000 fentanyl pills in 2021, 
and 1.9 million fentanyl pills in 2022. This last year, 2023, it was 3.8 million fentanyl pills. Um, that is a dramatic uh, increase uh, in drugs coming across into this country here as well and being being seized. Um, what does that tell you? When you look at those numbers, you're a former DEA agent and, and you say there's such a large increase in this seizure. Um, when you look at that, from outside of a law enforcement standpoint, what do you think that does? How does that spread out in our communities? And how do we recognize where those drugs are going? Well, first of all, I mean, the amount that law enforcement is able to seize, a lot of times it's because the cartels allows them to seize it. Wow. So we probably grabbed about 10% of the drugs that are flown across our southwest border. And it also comes on uh, ship uh, cargo ships that come to our ports, ports of entry on the east and west coast. It's also backpacked across the southwest border. Um, the price of fentanyl pill to make in Mexico is anywhere from four cents to twenty five cents. By the time that that pill comes up here into, like, say, Yellowstone County is around thirty five dollars. It can dip down to twenty five. But if you take carry that pill all, all the way up to Wolf Point, it can they can make uh, close to a hundred dollars. Same same prices in Rocky. Boy, reservation twenty or uh, hundred dollars, even maybe sometimes one hundred twenty dollars a pill. A pill, one one fake pill, those fentanyl pills, those blue pills. So the profits are high here, and and the cartels and the nefarious gangs have recognized that. That they say, if we transport all this dope all the way up to Montana, we're going to make a killing up there. There's a lot of repeat customers. They get these uh, individuals addicted to it. So there's there's supply and demand issues here. Now, what we're seeing is that the cartels have figured out that there's not much competition. You have two cartels sitting around the Bozeman area, the Gallatin County area, Sinaloa and Nueva Generacion Cartel. Um, It's my understanding there's like a gentleman's agreement between the two cartels because there's not a lot of bloodshed because cartels are are like corporations. They're there to make money. Unfortunately, you have the upcoming uh, cartel members that want to they're more about bravado and stuff and so that's where you see the bloodshed but anyway they're up here in in the montana area but their cartels are not everywhere they will come they're like fly by night they'll 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 stat they'll with the amounts of drugs that have been legalized in washington area that has opened up the door so the cartels have pushed more drugs into that region and they, and they storm in a certain houses called stash houses you have a lot of drugs, a lot of product over there. So the people in Montana can hop, skip, and jump over to Washington and get lower pricing and then bring it up and make huge profits. We're seeing that the cartels will transport through the state of Montana. They'll come in, they'll send one transporter, and they'll hit all the reservations, hit Yellowstone County, and then turn around and reverse course, gather up the monies, and get back into where they feel like it's safe. Less law enforcement presence and stuff. That's what we're seeing taking place here in our communities. Got uh, more problems and, and some solutions to talk about, some suggestions, because I, I appreciate that. That's the focus here as well, defining the problem, looking at options, and then, and then also um, you know, what are some of those potential solutions. We will talk about some of these other uh, portions of your platform, but I'm just um, uh, fascinated by you know your experiences and, and want to learn more from that as you made it a major part of your platform is to, uh, well, I don't know, get serious about fighting drugs. Uh, I, I think in this country, for me, it feels like we're we're back in Vietnam to a certain degree, where uh, we we didn't want to win a war; we were just there ob- obligated to fight a war. Some may feel that way. Um, I, I don't know that we're serious about fighting this problem in this country. Um, what's your take on that? 
we're saying that if it doesn't impact the immediate family, um, it's always not my child. And unfortunately, it is your child or your child knows someone or your child is going to be presented with the opportunity to sample one of those drugs. And that's why it's important that the family, the parents, the guardians, the grandparents, they know what is going on in the child's life. And and we need to get back to the basics when it comes to communicating. What does like 12,000 pounds of fentanyl powder look like? What does like 55 or 55,000 fentanyl pills look like? Well, imagine, okay, so everyone knows what cocaine looks like. Or let's say Johnson Johnson baby powder. That's what fentanyl looks like. Looks like cocaine. Looks like that. That's and that's a problem now because we're seeing fentanyl being mixed up in cocaine, and people are thinking that they're just snorting cocaine and they're overdosing and dying quickly because they don't realize that there's something that's going to shut down their breathing and their heart rate. So we're seeing the dangers of that take place when you see thousands and thousands of pills. um, Individuals will carry in a shipment up here. Easy, 3,000 pills at a pop, whether it's hidden in, in, in car apartments, if whether it's body carried, um, they will transport it, and it's hard to detect. If you don't have that canine that can sniff it out, then a, 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 a traffic stop is going to miss a shipment of pills coming up. So it's very, very easy to conceal. Um, and we also, you have now like meth pills and ecstasy pills. Ecstasy pills, parents need to know about it because it's called your hug drug. Um, and it also, it heats up the insides of your body, causes you to sweat profusely, but it ends up um, also eating little uh, liaison, there's le- uh, lesions in your brains that over time. Wow. So, yeah, it's a whole, it's a whole, whole gamut of, of, a, it's a situation that we need to start focusing on to save this next generation. And we, I think we've been pretty, pretty lax about it as well. Although it seems like we're, we're throwing money uh, at the issue here and, and, how how do we solve it? I mean, as you as you noted, and again, Stacy's in is with us, uh, and 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 she's more than willing to have these presentations. Obviously, you're running for Congress, and so um, you know those those are going to be available to folks in a lot of ways. But what what is in that presentation? What when we come away from that, do we have an idea of some of the things, the steps that we can take to at least take a bite out of this? Well, yes. So what I do is I break it down to the different types of drugs that are in the immediate area. And then I explain what this drug is made made of, what it can do to you, and the dangers of it. Um, so that gives people a, a, some information of the immediate drugs in their community. What we need to start doing is that if we want to get serious with that, there's several things. We need more drug agents here. Um, agents, federal agents, DEA, federal agents that are actually actively working drug investigations here in our community. Uh, we have very, very limited numbers. We need to provide um, the HIDAs, and the HIDAs, the high-intensity high drug task force, um, they get a lot of support, but we still need to um, continue to make sure that they have all the tools and the assets needed to combat. Because these drug traffickers, they advanced in the ways that they transport and the way they communicate. For example, on those the the iPhones and the uh, Samsungs that they carry and stuff. The days of them just picking up the phone and making a phone call, hey, Joey, I got a shipment coming up to you, blah, 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 blah. Um, we, we, law enforcement's always behind in the ballgame of trying to be able to use tools to be able to intercept those conversations or be able to detect it. There's no new apps out there. There's Wicker, there's Signal, there's Telegram and stuff where these 
Mexican cartels will communicate from Mexico to individuals up here in Montana, and we have no means of tracking that, those communications um, at our level. So we need to give, uh, we need to change the law, and we also need to give the support to law enforcement to have the tools necessary to build these investigations. That's one thing we need to do. We also need to get the community support where we get the school teachers, the principals, the superintendents to start, you know, um, having these communications about what's going on in their schools. If there's a vape problem and, you know, the kids are going into the bathroom and vaping or going to the library and taking a hit, uh, you're vaping and vaping maybe this THC. We need to communicate that, that this is taking place in this school and this is why we need tools to be able to combat that. When schools have these problems, what do they do? They hunker down and no one's the wiser of what's going on in their schools. That's not p- fair to the parents, and it's not fair to the community. If there's a problem in the schools, let's open it up and say, okay, instead of chastising the school, let's figure out how to fix it. That's another thing we need to start doing. And that's part and parcel of us admitting that we have issues here with this drug and, and that our current approach can be bettered uh, for sure. Let's take a call. Arnold is listening in Great Falls. Stacy's in as our guest here, a candidate for the Eastern District um, out of uh, out of Billings area, and a former DEA agent uh, for the state of Montana and elsewhere. Arnold in Great Falls. Uh, hey, Arnold, thanks for joining us here on Voices of Montana. You're on the air. Thank you kindly. I retired from federal law enforcement 30 years ago, and my memory is not as good as it used to be, but I don't recall anyone ever being executed for dealing drugs. And so there will be no change in any criminal activity until there's sufficient punishment to deter the crime, and we don't have it. It's a joke. I don't even need to go into all of the stuff that went on when I worked on the southern border, whatever. But until that takes place, it's all a joke. Arnold, what, so, was, what was the pushback? And thank you for that, and thank you for your service. What was the pushback against more uh, enforcement or stricter punishment for these kinds of drug dealers? Well, there is no strict punishment for it. Yeah. Uh, I remember uh, the sea chase when they decided that all the drugs coming in out of Columbia – into Florida needed to be stopped and we worked down there. And yeah, we did some good, but there was no punishment. In fact, uh, the criminal said, you know, this used to be kind of a fun job, but now it's kind of serious because those Colombians come up here and kill us if we don't do the job right. Wow. Well, maybe if we killed some of the Colombians, it might change, but there's no, there's no punishment for any of this. And so I rest my case. The only way it'll work is to dig six foot holes. <laughs> Arnold, I, I appreciate that. Um, and, and that, I, um, again, stay on the line here. What, what's your response to that? He's absolutely correct. Uh-huh. What we have a problem during the Obama administration, they lowered the sentencing guidelines. And it turned to a, a, a racial hoopla. And unfortunately, we have intelligence where these individuals will say, we'll go to jail. And they're like, well, I'm only doing 18 months, 24 months. I can do that standing on my head. Yeah. Well, I, we need to get back to the base, get back to the levels where if we, if they are transporting then we need to um, use them as, how would you say, as an example of you do this in our community, this is what's happened. It's not going to be a slap on the wrist. It's not going to be a revolving jail. It's not going to be take your photograph and fingerprint and walk out the door so they can do it again. There has to be serious consequences, and, and that gentleman is absolutely correct. Arnold, thank you for that. I appreciate that. Thanks for listening, too. And uh... Yeah, and just one more comment. I'll bet you $100 if Montana instituted a death penalty on the first charge of dealing or distributing drugs or transporting, we probably wouldn't have the problem we got today. Well, Thank you for listening. 
and uh, I hope that somebody will figure out that they need to punish these people. Stacey's in is in off uh, in office, not quite in office yet, but she's in studio here. She is running for office for the Eastern District uh, a congressional seat in Congress. Whether uh, I think you're going forward, whether Rosendale jumps back in or not, I think earlier. You had said, and welcome, I uh, appreciate you being here. Um, former DEA agent talking an awful lot about the drug problems that we have in our country. A lot of it's because of the southern border. She reminds us also, don't overlook the northern border. Um, but you're running either way, aren't you? Yes, sir. Yes, it, and it's, 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 it's become a very interesting race. It's keeping me on my toes. <laughs> What's your impression of, because um, this is your first time, I think, for a, a bid for statewide political office here, or maybe even any political office. What's your impression of campaigning and, and getting out there and getting the job done? I could say something, but I'm gonna I'm gonna pull back on uh, what my true thoughts on. No, jokingly, <laughs> campaigning is a different animal. I mean, I can go through that front door on a search warrant, arrest warrant, or whatever, put cuffs on someone, um, uh, build investigation, and I know where the threat's coming from. Unfortunately, with campaigning in the political arena, arena, you don't know where that threat is, and you don't know who's friend or foe. So it's, it's been uh, eye-opening to me, but it's what has been a joy is meeting yeah. all the different people in these different communities and also hearing what their issues are. Because yeah. there's, there's still issues out there that they have been painstakingly, you know, talking to each di- different representative. Hey, we have this uh, dike problem. Hey, we have this levee problem. Hey, our waterway problem. And I'm like, how come no one's fixing this? You know, and I hear excuse after excuse after excuse. So I'm kind of like... I'm, uh, it's eye opening to me because I'm a fixer. I, I, that's just who I am. I want to save the world. But, but with that being said, it's, it's that I'm sure that there's reasons why some of these issues have not been resolved right now. But overall, it has been a great experience meeting great people. And um, I'm glad I've done it. Um, this is something, I'm not a politician. Uh, I'm not bought off by anyone. Um, but I will never be a politician because I think it's, uh, it, it's just not who I am. What are your experience? I mean, uh, in Afghanistan, fighting drugs there as well, uh, South America, the southern border, the northern border. I want to make sure we we get to that. But as we uh, talk about your qualifications for this seat, um, and there are other things you guys can uh, go. Oh, do I have it pulled up here? Oh, we don't have it pulled up. Um, your, what's your website real quick? It's Zin uh, for MT or Zin and MT, right? Yes, but it's better just to go to the Facebook page, Stacey okay. Zin for Congress. Because um, there's more active movement on it, you'll see people. We we we're sharing ideals off 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 of it. Gotcha. It's a Z I N N as well. So so look that up. But um, on that, you're you're talking about some of these things that are on your platform, so to speak. Um, you know, as we talk about drugs being uh, high up there, what are some of those other issues that uh, people are going to use to decide this race? Well, national security is a is a is one of my 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 biggies, and and what I bring to the table is that. Being in the foreign arena, being in Afghanistan, being in going to Haiti, Kyrgyzstan, down in South America, going traveling all around, being in Mexico, I've dealt with a lot of foreign governments. I've seen how these uh, foreign governments operate. The one thing I learned in South America is that if they do not fear you, they do not respect you. And we don't have that fear in the White House. People are not respecting our president. They're not respecting his administration, and they're not uh, respecting any part of what's going on right now. So we're justifiably so I might add <laughs> we're losing footing in the world stage. Yep. Um, we have, uh, we have abandoned our allies. You saw how we withdrew from Afghanistan. I mean, who, who says that we are going to shut down Bagram airfield, which is one we are very secure up there 
and then announce to the world that we're withdrawing from Afghanistan and go out of the Kabul International Airport. That's just craziness. So national security is one of my pet peeves because if if we are not secure in our country, then everything else falls by the wayside. Our northern border is wide open. And that's one thing that's been – I've been talking to the politicians it's for the past wide, five years. wide open? It's wide open. And, and what I mean by that is that we don't have enough assets up there to protect Montana. Um, the problem is, is that everyone's focused on the southwest border. I get it. It's true. I went down to California it's around 2017 to AMOC and, and coordinated with the Border Patrol and said, listen, I said – Where's our assets at? Took a look at the whole platform. And I'm saying, listen, guys, we need something up the northern border. And the answer that came back to me was, until something happens, then we're not going to move anything up there because we're hyper-focused on the south. I said, great. So on my watch, this could possibly be another 9-11, and it, we find out that it comes through our back door. That's disgraceful. We need to be proactive instead of reactive. Didn't we learn something after 9-11? Well, we've, I guess we've forgotten that. And I'm afraid now with everything, the terrorists coming in, we're going to have something. It's just a matter of time. Common sense like that doesn't seem to break through in Washington, D.C. How are you going to how, uh, how are you going to change things? I'm going to be a voice. I'm going to align myself with people that have my, my true uh, convictions. Um, and I'm not going to be status quo. I'm not going to go just to um, uh, give a vote and... And, and not take a hard look at all of the bills and stuff like that. I'm going to be very, very proactive for the state of Montana, for even for our ranchers and our you know farmers and stuff, which is has been out of my area of repertoire. But you see the Eastern District is made out of that. Um, and you see the re- heavy regulations that are coming down on these people and what's taking place. You're starting to see foreign entities start snooping around and want to buy up the land. You see where we're very vulnerable. And my my goal, my desire is to go fight for these individuals, but be a strong voice, not to embarrass the state of Montana, but be a true voice with common sense. You um, earlier talked about some, some solutions for, um, well, we've got a human trafficking problem as well. I mean, uh, but those I think are, are all related to a... Well, and it's, you've noted it's coming from the White House. There's lawlessness in our country. Um, we have actually put laws on the book that say when when you steal, it's okay. Up to a, you know, in in some countries, we or some states, we have done this. Um, so I, I think an atmosphere of lawlessness is permeating. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. You have you have nefarious groups. You have George Soros that's funding these individuals. I mean, let's let's back up here. Elections have consequences. When you put People in office that they're, they're going to say whatever it takes a lot of times to get into office. And the, you, you, people, voters need to peel back the onion. What is what's this person's position in basic crime? We've got DAs out there, and, and, and luckily we have a strong DA here. Um, but we have DAs out there in, in different parts of the country that are giving a slap on the wrist on the crime. And they are letting these looters and rioters do what they do. And there's no consequences. That has to change. We have to get back. We have to get people involved. We got to p- get people that that vote, and they vote um, uh, which with the conscious. We need to get back to those principles. But what we're seeing is the crime has really skyrocketed. You have a you know look and see how Antifa and BLM are very quiet right now. 
you wait. When we get closer to the election or if, if President Trump gets back into the office, we're going to see those individuals again. And, and we will see how the judicial system takes care of them because that's a problem. Our judicial system has weakened and we need to strengthen those. That means we need to put good judges into office. And that's why it's important for these voters to start being very active in their communities. Stacey Zinn again with us, Eastern District Congressman, former director of the U.S. DEA agency in Montana. Um, noted here recently in an article, uh, NBC News uh, did this uh, on a national level. They took a look at how the Mexican drug cartels have, have gotten this foothold in Montana, specifically in Montana reservations. Um, it's a difficult topic to uh, approach, but um, you're, you're, you're doing it and you're asking for honesty and, and you're asking some really good questions there. Um, what is, what's your take on that? Um, th- what's happening on the reservations that, that we can in uh, outside of their sovereignty that we can maybe do something to help? Well, I always talk to the leaders in, on the res- reservation. I say, listen, I said, I, I, you have to fix yourselves from the inside out and I can help fix you from the outside in. We can team up. Um, this past year, um, we te- DEA teamed up with FBI and BIA. There was uh, intelligence that a, a certain um, uh, cartel was making their way through Montana and dropping off drugs and then laying their head on a particular reservation. It took us probably 11 months to be able to work this investigation, but we were successful in gutting it. What opened up our eyes is, is that there's these Native American um, users are very vulnerable on the reservation. They're repeat customers. And when you have repeat customers, the cartel is going to respond to those repeat customers and they're going to continue showing up. Just because we just recently gut the organization, there's going to be backfill. What I need from the reservations of them to start standing up and saying no more, no more of this activity on our land. They need to start turning and, and start shining a light on the individuals that are, are, that are trafficking on the reservation. And they also need to help those that are addicted on the reservation. No more of being quiet about, well, my family member, you know, we can't, my family member is a distributor. I, well, I can't talk about that. I, I get that. I understand why you want to protect those members and you're hoping and, you know, having faith that they're going to come and, and survive those things. But um, as we have real, real serious consequences We've got to face the tough questions regarding that. No, absolutely. It, it's time to, to rip that Band-Aid off that scap because if we don't, it's going to continue to, to be infected and it's, it's going to be out of control. And it is. We're at that point. We're out of control. And when you rip a Band-Aid off or, you know, you're picking at a scar, you're going to get little blood. You're going to, you're going to, mm-hmm. you know, that's going to respond in that way. Correct. It's going yeah. to, it's going to hurt initially, yeah. but it's going to heal eventually. I want to share this, and thanks, Joy, for sending us this text message reminder uh, that Stacey's in, our guest here in studio today, will be the guest speaker at the Tri-County Republican Women's Organization meeting on Helena, or in Helena, on March 14th. So uh, there you go, and uh, picking up this conversation. I- I'm sure people, Stacey, when, when you hear, well, when they hear you, your presentations, I bet there's just a lot of jaws dropping and hitting the floor and about how... Um, well, how complicated and how bad it can actually be. Well, it's funny you say that because people look at me and they're like, you're feisty. or you're." Sp- I was told I was spunky last this past weekend, but, but it's a passion of mine. It's a passion of, you know, listen, I don't care what adults going to do behind closed doors. That's their business. What bothers me is these kids 
we are not giving them a chance in life if we're not educating them and then protecting them. We're letting them down. Oh, absolutely. I think so. And then also what and- the, 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 this, this drug problem, it causes emergency rooms to be filled up. It's causing more homelessness. It's causing more mental health issues. We are breaking down our community because we are not standing up and saying no more. The drugs um, and also the sexual abuse uh, with the human trafficking. That uh, It's not just sex trafficking. There's labor trafficking as well. Um, what do you see and how do, we ba- how do we combat that? Okay, so it also stems from the southwest border. These individuals are trafficking our kids. Um, and you'll hear whispers of it. These kids are coming across with nefarious people and then they're disappearing. They're disappearing into the larger cities. But women up here are being trafficked. Um, we're seeing both males and females are being work trafficked, labor trafficked up here in this area. And how do you recognize it? You go into a certain restaurants and you look around. If you don't see that waitress, if you, can, if you, if you keep going back and all of a sudden you're seeing, let's say, the Hispanic population and you're seeing a revolving door, Hispanic males and females coming through the area, that is a problem. When you go to these nail salons... And you're getting your nails down. Ladies, look up in the air. And if you see cameras pointing inward, not outward, but inward, that is a sign of labor trafficking. They're, they're keeping an eye on their workforce. So it's, it's happening throughout the state. Now, I want real quick on getting our immigration um, situation squared away. Our farmers and ranchers depend on a lot of these immigrants that come up from Mexico or Central America. They have to have certain visas. If we cannot get our immigration policies squared away, it's going to impact those labor workers, the, the legit ones, and then the ranchers and the and the farmers are going to be hurting for staff. So, I mean, it all goes um, hand in hand. But circling back around what you had said to me, sex trafficking here in Montana is taking place. You look at your truck stops. If you see a single female or, or a, a couple of kids, young ladies hanging around. If you see something, say something. Ask the questions. Report it. Um, We do have them. I mean, we we do see these type of activities. And luckily, um, A.G. Knudsen is is on top of this. He's got a task force. He's he's building bridges. Um, He, a DCI, is actually hyper-focused on this. I'm very proud of what they're doing in our communities. They're fighting crime. Yes. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. And I, and I very much appreciate that, too. And, and I, I appreciate the message that you're bringing, Stacey, and your willingness to, to serve in those arenas as well as throwing your hat in the ring here for Congress. Uh, um, good luck in that. Thank uh, you. It, 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 it's a chore, uh, but it's a chore of honor as well. Thank so, you so much. Yeah. I appreciate it. Thank, thank you very much for having me. And thank you for shedding light on these issues that we have. Stacey Zinn, it's with two N's, Z-I-N-N, for Congress. Find out more where she's going to be next on her Facebook page as well. And and uh, go out and catch one of those presentations as well. Travel safe and uh, keep fighting too, okay? Absolutely. Thanks again for joining us for the podcast. Please share and subscribe and let us know what you think. Email me at tom at voicesofmontana.com. And don't forget, we're on weekdays on your hometown radio stations all across Montana. We hope to hear from you there too.